Hey guys, good evening. We are uh, Dog Sports Live, and we have a guest today, uh, Sarah from UGA Twitter. I'm sure that most everyone knows uh, Sarah from Twitter. If you don't, please follow her. Graham Coffee, my co-host, who is the working the college football expansion and realignment beat hardcore. Graham, uh, where are we right now before we get into our show on uh, Georgia's defense? Uh, so right now, I put an article out uh, hour two hours ago uh, that had, I basically uh, was able to talk to some some high level Texas sources, and uh, they are going to do everything they can to play football in the SEC in 2022. Um, if if for some reason that doesn't happen, then you might see 2023, but uh, they're definitely not going to wait until 2025 when the uh, the big 12 contracts are up. So they are looking at the potential of a hefty buyout, but I also think the reason that they're floating stuff like that uh, out in public is to try and maybe create a little bit of pressure on other conference mates so that they start looking for new homes and the big 12 maybe just kind of dissolves organically and they're able to save themselves some money. Uh, so lots uh, of speculation on the, the buyout side of things. Bob Bowles, we put all their shit on the lawn when they got home. <laughs> Possibly. Uh, that well, I mean, I, I mean, I think it's gonna be weird, like you say, to to play out that contract and those media rights uh, and you know, just get it over with. We've been ripping off a lot of band-aids with con uh football expansion. So this is just one more band-aid and there'll probably be more to come. Yeah, I mean the chairman of the Board of Regents uh for the UT system is a, a guy named Kevin Elfie. And uh, he is a big Longhorns football fan. And uh, I think he wants to see this happen and happen quickly. And he has access to a lot of big money people that can pitch in and make it happen if they have to, to pay a buyout. But uh, honestly, man, like I, I think that you may, it, it would not be outside the realm of reason to say that uh, a high school quarterback in the form of Arch Manning may be like at least having some small percentage of, of the reason for why why this ball is rolling as quickly as they want it to, uh, just because I think they think if they can get into the SEC in time for him to come on campus that they can bring him in. Um, obviously, that's like 3% of a, a huge, bigger conversation, but it's still kind of crazy to think about. Graham, do you think Texas thinks that they're going to have the same kind of sway in the SEC, or are they ready to – in their own hand a little bit with that yeah <laughs> i think they're ready to fall in line i mean like i they're not you know they're gonna fold the longhorn network that you know that was something we reported back on last week when this was all coming out um i i don't think they're gonna come in and ask for unequal uh share of revenue like they have in the big 12 in the past i think they'll be one of 16 teams and their their revenue will reflect that and so will oklahoma's and so will vanderbilt's for that matter all right i have one last question on this what you guys think because i've been asked this and i don't know what my opinion is what do you think in terms of if they both join they both join next year do you would you rather have pods would you rather have the divisions and if we have the divisions would you have rather have alabama and auburn how would that look go ahead josh um <clears throat> I mean, I, I don't really have an opinion either, but I guess my instinct would be divisions cause a lot of problems. I, I like the idea of having a pod system and then you play another pod and then you rotate around. So your your year every year schedule is smaller, therefore you can rotate in around around the conference more. Um, and 
I think there's potentially for to give it more of a, a lot more of the original SEC vibe around about that. So, I mean, I guess if, if you know, it's a coin flip, I would say pods make the most sense. So, um, yeah, I think that's where we're going, and I'd be okay with that. Yeah, I, I think pods would be more fun personally. Um, I mean, you know, Missouri's first league game was against Georgia in Columbia back in 2012. And we've still yet to see UGA play in College Station against Texas A&M. So, like, I think the appeal of playing everybody once every, you know, four years or so is, is something that would be a lot of excitement around. I know. And then pretty soon we'll have, home, you know, FSU will be in the league. And so we'll Clemson, Clemson and, yeah, who knows? Who knows where it's going to. All right. So tonight we're talking about defense and sort of um, the evolution of – the defense in college football and specifically under Kirby Smart as a DC at Alabama and also as a head coach at Georgia. Um, I'm going to tease that evolution word because our friend Greg Pullover Boulder Illustrated takes issues with the evolution that it was more of a crash course on uh, <laughs> on the the RPO. So let's get into it. Uh, both of you got the reason we're we're talking about this. Graham wrote a really great lengthy piece on dog sports. Um, concerning and about a, um, a coaching clinic that miraculously was available to public on YouTube. And Sarah actually had watched it too and had some thoughts on Twitter. And so let's kick it off, guys. I'm going to roll this uh, Ohio State 2014, and you guys can give some context to that. Yeah, so, uh, you know, what we're talking about here is, is when Kirby Smart was at Alabama, um, other than 2008 – I'm sorry, 2007, uh, Saban's first year at Alabama – their defense ranked in the top 10 every year from, from 08 through 2013 and total defense, rush defense and passing defense. Um, all of a sudden 2014, they fall out of the top 10 in, in total defense. They're I believe 58th in passing defense. And so they stopped and asked what's going on here. Um, the game where that became most evident that there was a problem was this one that Josh is showing right now against Ohio state, which is the, the 2014 Sugar Bowl, which was also the, the first college football playoff semifinal. And Ohio State ended up putting up uh, 45 points on Bama, if I'm not mistaken. Um, basically, if you look at what happened here, uh, college football had changed dramatically from when Nick Saban and Kirby Smart came to Alabama to the mid-2010s. You had uh, a league in, in the late 2000s where – Everyone was running I formation. Almost everyone still had a fullback on the field. Uh, big, big linebackers. Brute force was what you wanted on the, the defensive side of the ball. You wanted big guys clogging lanes. All of a sudden, spread offenses start coming into the league. And this Ohio State game in particular, they knew they couldn't run straight up the gut at Bama. They knew that Bama was too big up front. So they, they did a lot of runs outside they rolled the pocket like you see here um you know they they tried to take advantage of speed and they tried to make sure that alabama's size was a, a disadvantage for them and eventually in the fourth quarter they wear them down ezekiel elliott starts busting big runs uh so on and so forth so i mean i, I think that's the the big thing is you know speed screens lateral quickness how do you defend against that when uh, your your defense is, you know, you've got 260-pound linebackers and you have 330-pound uh, D linemen all across the front. Uh, 
So, yeah, what do you want to add in on that, Sarah? I know you have some thoughts. Yeah, so the main thing that I thought was really interesting about this clinic, which if it's on YouTube if anybody wants to watch it. Um, I think it's just also good to just hear Kirby shoot the shit about stuff. That's hilarious. It's uh, nice, isn't it? Yes. Uh, one of the – he doesn't – I don't think he knew it was going to be recorded based on just what he was saying. And one quick aside, which I did tweet about, is really funny. He talks about going to um, – the combine and uh, Belichick just told him that he wants linemen with big asses. Like that's all he's mm-hmm. looking for. So uh, Belichick is a confirmed ass man. And I think that that's great <laughs> to take away from this coaching clinic. But uh, on the defensive side of the ball, more than just Belichick being an ass man is so, and this is sort of what uh, Graham was alluding to with the fact with the size, right? Um, everybody knows, especially 2009 Alabama, that, that era um, you were, they were going to beat you with how they recruited, right? They had monsters on the field. You weren't going to come out with a guy that was bigger than Mount Cody. He'd be dead. So they just, Ohio state said, well, screw it. We'll just, we'll go around you. We're not going to try to figure out how to block you. We're not going to spend hours trying to figure out how to beat him man to man. We're just going to go around him and spread you out use. And I know we're going to get into this, but that really changed in terms of two with the linebackers. When you have a spread offense with Kirby was not used to, right? Um, you, you have when you have a gap that way, you're asking a linebacker to not only block a guard, but you've also got to have him block Alvin Kamara. So, what size linebacker do you put out there? Do you put Roquan to a Roquan size guard to block, or sorry, a Roquan size linebacker to block a guard, or do you put him out there to? Like, you know, that runs a four or five to get Alvin Kamara. So it was, they were, they realized that like Graham was, like you were saying, like that they could use the size to the advantage in the fact that you're going to have to pick one or the other if you set it up this way. Um, and so they just absolutely exploited that um, in terms of them being able to have the guys that they did. And so it's kind of ironic because you think of like these huge Alabama players and back in old SEC football, having these players that were just monsters that were massive, which is still true. But even in the NFL, they're making smaller linemen. You know, that was like, oh, you have the team. You know, you're off the bus. Like, clearly you're going to win. But now that's changing where it's like, okay, we're going to use your size, like you're saying, against you because now you have to choose, like, which type of player you're going to be able to block. Um, and I, I know you might get into this, but what I thought was interesting with that video or with, with what he was talking about, which I didn't really, you know, believe it or not, I have not coached um, college football despite many rumors on the internet, have not. So I thought it was interesting that um, he that Kirby was like, all right, so we absolutely got our asses handed us um, in this championship game. What are we going to do about it? Um, and he straight up just went to the guy who uh, handed it to him. He went to Tom Herman because Tom Herman left um, after after from Ohio State, got the job, and went to him and was like, hey, you know, went to Houston and was like, hey, what – what did we do? And basically Herman laid that out for you. He's like, we saw your weakness. We realized what we could do. Um, you guys weren't going to be able to run sideline to sideline. You couldn't go lateral on us. So we just wore you out. Um, and I just, I didn't really, honestly, I mean, maybe that's just me, but I didn't really know that they're willing to be that open and like go and talk and like, tell me like why I was terrible at my game, which as I'm a huge Kirby defender, uh, many people know, I, I go to bat for the old Kirby smart. I think is interesting because he gets a lot of, which I know is the whole point of this and we'll go more into it, but he gets a lot of crap for not being innovative or playing old football. Um, And it's the first time he really got routed. He immediately was like, so I'm doing something wrong. Uh, I need to change what I'm doing. 
Um, I, I need to revamp. Um, and I thought that was interesting. You know, he wasn't a guy who took the ego and was like, this is the way we do it. This is the way we block in the SEC, like old man football or whatever. You know, he immediately was like, okay, this is what football's." he saw in 2014. This is what football is going to be um, before it really was everywhere and was like, yeah. redo this. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I, I think, you know, uh, I think I don't know if you have that graphic or not, Josh, of uh, the the weight comparisons between Cody and and Atkins and Hightower and Roquan, but like Alabama's 2009 defense, you have Terrence Cody up front. He's six three, three hundred fifty four pounds. Uh, Georgia's defense in 2017, that 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 main zero technique tackle, that kind of nose guard position, is six four, three oh eight. Yeah. So I mean, you're talking about significant drops, and and the reason that as you brought up, uh, you know, with Belichick liking big butts and not not lying about it, uh, the reason why is because you can take three down linemen, and if you line them up properly, you can you can use those those big butts basically for linebackers to work off of, and those guys can get in the hole and they can shade, and especially with these spread offenses, uh, you know, the thing that if you watch, think about Oregon back in the Chip Kelly days, uh, think about some of the Dan Mullen offenses you've seen, think about West Virginia under Rich Rodriguez. A lot of those offenses are predicated on that, like that zone read kind of option play where the quarterback can hand it off or keep it. And and now, you know, also he can throw it as well. Uh, Gus Malzahn's Auburn team, same, same story, right? And so what's that? I said offensive juggernaut, Gus Malzahn. Yeah. Well, for a year, right? Um, and so basically all those plays in those spread offenses, they happen in the B gap, which is just football jargon for the hole that is in between the offensive guard and the offensive tackle. Um, so when you have those those guys lined up properly and they're a little bit quicker, all of a sudden, instead of having your, your inside linebackers taking on the guards, you have your, your defensive ends – and defensive tackles occupying two guys at once. And that's allowing your linebackers to come work off of them, get into the holes, crash, create problems. Those, those spread offenses, especially like the, those run heavy ones, if they can't run that zone read play and, and gash you for five guard, five yards off that B gap, then nothing else really works because all the fakes and stuff are predicated off of that one play. Um, so, I mean, that's kind of one of the things that's, convenient about this and I, I think the other thing that is worth noting is just the size of these defensive ends that Georgia has now uh you know or, or defensive tackles think about like a, a Jalen Carter who's athletic enough to go and catch a touchdown pass and line up at fullback that guy can get out on a screenplay and get to the sideline and and help make a tackle and back in 2009 the guys on the, the defensive front for Alabama and for Georgia, too, for that matter, were too big to go out and try and play in space sideline to sideline and defend those spread players. We were At the same time – go ahead, yeah. When we were talking about doing the show, I just kind of like did my nerd thing where I scraped some data and stuff. In the 2013 and 2012 off defensive line under Rick were 325. Uh, average weight and you know and you can see now they're they're down under 300 as an average uh as a yeah. group so i mean you can tell that this i mean yeah they completely changed on how 
they, you know, maybe not recruit them, but how they train them and keep them uh, to a certain weight. Um, and uh, Sarah, you made some notes about on, you know, maybe it was a different thread, but you talked about how much diff- how much better the Georgia defense played in the second half of the Rose Bowl and them running some of those plays. Um, and you know, it's got that Roquan Smith player that's key to this defense. I, w- I would think. Yeah. So um, I normally for like uh, self care, I watch the second half of the Rose Bowl like three times a week. So um, it's it's fine. You're um, not, you're not yeah. alone. Yeah. So obviously, <laughs> we went for more. If you look at it sort of at an objective level, you're like, hey, we win zone. We win the second half. They say, you know, we were playing, you know, pure man. But the thing about like the way that we do with Mint is it's actually not pure man. You have you have a guy who's a man free because what they do because like he's saying we, we can block um, and I sorry I don't have the exact play but if you go back through um, when when we have when we're in a three man front we're in a three down front um, we have an extra player so it looks like there that's a four down front but it's really a three down front and we have an extra guy um, and so one part of that is you know saying that. People don't get it. I know I understand why people don't really get it with uh, saying how does how does stopping the run how is that important in a spread offense? You know, if you if you think spread, you think pass, you think gutting, and if you look and if you watch the Oklahoma game, that is we've gotten way better at it. And part of it is the players, and part of it is the and Kirby talks about that in other videos um, about how he's changed his technique with that. But anyway, if you do watch the Rose Bowl, you'll see that what Graham was just saying in that when we the way we play is we can commit when we have those guys that can those defensive linemen and really quick mint is what the office stands for i don't know if we've gotten to that part yet but it does stand for there's actually an abbreviation for that um and that's because the down the the linemen are blocking inside right they're going to pull those guys inside and when you do that you can block with less guys and so sorry i'm just keeping you on your toes josh um, <laughs> Trust me, I'm, this is going particularly well for me. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> pretty low rent production value we have here. Continue. Yes. So, um, what that actually stands for is I have it right here is that it is interior. So when 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 they call interior is the last part, and then the DBs is match. So that's what it stands for, match, and then interior. Um, and that and that's basically what you see in the Oklahoma game as well, right? So we clogged up the run in a basic, basic way of saying it. We clogged up the run with less guys on the line. Um, and so then, of course, like Graham was saying, we have more guys to commit to the pass. We have, and then we also have the guys, especially in the Oklahoma game, when you have that can run sideline to sideline, they kept they kept doing what they had tried to do in the first half and run us to the cut to the outside. That super helped us in overtime um, that they kept running to the outside and they couldn't catch us because we had that extra guy when we could, and they knew they couldn't gut us up the middle anymore. Graham, um, I'm, I'm running some of the so, peaceful plays too. So if you guys, yeah. something, you can stop me and rock, rock, rock through them too. Yeah. So right here, you've got one, two, three, four, five, five guys up near the line of scrimmage. All of a sudden you have a shift. You've got that, that, linebacker that's standing up he looks like he's going to blitz he backs off all of a sudden you have a adam anderson come in uh who's kind of lined up in a star position it's just basically you can bunch up and what georgia will do and it's very confusing for a quarterback very confusing for an o lineman is they will bring five six guys up to the line of scrimmage and maybe only three of those guys are actually going to go after the quarterback and i think the other thing with a Cincinnati game, right? You had an athletic quarterback like Ritter and one of those Rose Bowl plays you showed, uh, 
Mayfield was scrambling around and Roquan makes a tackle. So in this defense, Georgia basically always has a guy that's job. His job is to spy on that quarterback. And, and that was often Roquan in 2017. And the reason that Roquan was so good was as soon as that quarterback moves off his spot and the, the defensive line is able to, to get him moving, then that spy can take off. He can drop into coverage. He can, you know, he can do a lot of different things. And you also, uh, if you'll show in a second, Josh, that little odd mirror five uh, diagram that you had up a, a minute ago. Um, right here. Yeah. Right there. So, yeah. So if you, if you look here, you've always got I love one the, guy. I that's, love the clip art. <laughs> I know. Right. Uh, yeah. That's, I think that was probably like Glenn Schumann. That did that. Um, that you've always. Intern in the, that was some intern who got that on a Friday and was like, hey, I'm gonna do this <laughs> yeah. Really? Um, $80 million athletic. Department. <laughs> um, so yeah, you've got one linebacker that's, that's that's manned up on the running back and you've got one linebacker that's that's responsible for that quarterback and so uh if you had do you have any of those plays from the mississippi state game in 2017 yep. Yep. yeah do you mind throwing those up so you'll see basically like roquan in this game his job is to keep an eye on nick fitzgerald which is basically mississippi state's entire running game uh so if he sees a fake come around, right. And he can tell that Fitzgerald's handing it off to the running back. He's going to break off that assignment and go fill that hole. Like you saw right there. Uh, there's one play in this game where, Oh, right here. Yeah. So he fights off that, that lineman downfield and comes back and makes that play. And I mean, some of these assignments are moving around, right? Like, but basically if you watch the reason why Georgia was so good on defense in 2017 was a lot of reasons, but like Roquan Smith was so very fast at processing what was happening, reading fakes, knowing, you know, all of a sudden, okay, this running back right there, that's the play. Yeah. Go back to that. So on that play, he's responsible uh, for that running back, or I'm sorry, he's responsible for Fitzgerald. And when he sees that running back, not take the ball on that fake, he's like, all right, well, I got a wide open lane. I'm going after him. So instead of, you know, maybe a more inexperienced players, like I'm going to job, my job is to spy on the quarterback right now. I'm going to hang back. Roquan was just had such a high level understanding of the defense that he realized in that moment, like I can take off and this dude's not going to get away from me and I can light him up. And so I think that's the thing that's, that's really like, how does this translate to when we're watching a football game? Right. Like understanding just, how much decision-making is really happening for these guys uh, I think is important. And like Kirby Smart and Dan Lanning and Schumann are asking a lot of these guys and they're asking them to, to pay attention to a lot of things, but when it works and these guys understand what's happening, it's, it's hell on wheels to deal with. Like you just don't want to play against it. And this is like a little, I won't go too much into it, uh, but one side of what you were saying with the decision-making um an interesting thing too is when you're saying when it translates to what you see on a game. Um, so the way that Kirby and Lanning do it, which Lanning is just born from Kirby mostly, um, is like one big divergence that they have from Saban, um, which everyone acts like Kirby is Saban, which is not exactly true, um, is the way that they call defensive plays. So Saban is sort of your old school 
I'm going to have a thousand different defensive plays. Um, and, and, you know, that these guys are going to remember and we're going to call, which is one reason, of course, that he, I mean, every defensive coordinator hates hurry up offense, right? But he really hates it because he has a lot of plays. Kirby's and Lanning's is a little bit different. Um, they have, which is kind of a whole different thing, but it goes back to what you were saying with decision making. Um, they're sort of more, they're going to have your, they have a lot that they can still throw a ton of stuff. Um, they have a little bit less that they throw at offenses, but they have sort of, um, for lack of a better term, sort of your main homes, your main bases that these guys know. And then they're, then they ask the players from these main bases to sort of, like you're saying with decision-making rather than this is the play we run, this is the play we run, this is the play we run. And I think that that actually ultimately makes you more successful with a fast Oklahoma offense with something like that, because you, you, you don't need, I mean, they, they've perfected in terms of the best you can, I think with big guys, how you're going to do a hurry up offense. We don't need every single time them looking to the sideline. They will look mm -hmm. to the sideline, but if you watch that, we don't look to the sideline. If you compare it to like, say, but we don't look to the sideline as much. And the reason is, which is a whole different thing, but they really teach these guys, okay, this is what we're going to do when you see this, this is the mode we're in um, and base it off of that. Don't look at us every time. We're not going to give you the play based on that, um, which I think is really interesting. And it's also beautiful to see how that has changed in our defense um, that we have a very, not to be punny, smart defense. Um, Kirby asks a lot of them, a lot of them, a lot of them to know what to do. But I think when we see these Oklahoma and the Texas, which breaking news, uh, Big J journalist Graham has let us know next year. Um, when we see them more, we will be able to, the hurry up situation. I think we've our defense has responded to that very well. So how much, how much of that, if you're telling me that the players are making decisions on the field and to be in that program, mm -hmm. how, how much of that hurt the development of, of the, the guys that came in during COVID and did not have a season. And, and does that is how, yeah. I mean, can it, can a kid come in and, and start in, in that, in that capacity and, and yeah. what, what they require? I mean, I, I mean, Kobe Dean came in and basically started as a true freshman. Right. Uh, but he enrolled early and had a spring practice in a fall camp. So, I mean, I, I do think it takes a kid that's, that's got a high level of processing ability and, and also, you know, some time. And I think you're very right, Josh, like you didn't see a lot of those young linebackers play last year. And that's because, unless it was a situation where you could just line them up at the Jack position, which is what Aziz played, which is really that kind of fourth guy that's on the end of the line. Who's, who's basically a, his job is almost always sort of to rush the passer. It's just too much to, to figure out. I mean, most high school programs are not, you know, asking this much of their, their linebackers, but I, I think, you know, Sarah was touching on uh, this a little bit. I mean, at one point, uh, Schumann openly admits in this this talk, he's like, if we can get our guys lined up, that's like over half the battle. Like if they're lined up and you know they're they're in a spot where they're ready to go play football when the snap happens, then we've we've done our job basically. And they've they've shortened all of their calls to to one or two words. Uh, and a lot of times this is abbreviation for a an eight, 10, 12 word uh, defensive set, but. What's important to note is like these looks that, that you've been showing and flashing up there. Um, and even if you want to like throw some of that Cincy stuff back up again, uh, those, those looks like Georgia can, can show 
six, seven guys up at the line of scrimmage looking like they're blitzing and they can run cover three off of it. They can run cover two off of it or they can blitz off of it. Um, and when they bring these guys up, they, they, they blitz pretty infrequently, to be honest, like they, they, they rarely bring more than four guys. Uh, so a, a blitz in this system is almost like a trick play. No one expects it to happen and it confuses the quarterback and, he gets overwhelmed and, and that's why they're often successful. So like right here, you know, you've, you've got Nakobe that he comes up the middle there, but that's, that's rare. And he's flushed out of the pocket and the spy on the quarterback is there to deliver that hit. That's Anderson. You know, his job on that play was to watch Ritter. And once Ritter's off the spot, he goes and blitzes him, and that ball gets out as an incompletion. So lots of parts working well together, basically. Um, do you want to talk about rat coverage and RPO, Sarah? Um, sure. So, I mean, basically what I was just going to say about the RPO with with Mint um, and why I love it and for the RPO, well, it's kind of, kind of what I was leaning on before was the fact that we can basically cover the run with less guys. Um, and so when you take that out, when they know – and one thing I was going to say earlier, we were talking about – which. I'm always happy to do the ode to the 2017 defense and Rokon Smith, which is very true. However, our um, run defense in 2017 and 2018 compared to 2019, 2020 was actually worse. They've actually improved our run defense. I mean, we're first, we were first, um, both first or second, both years. Nobody at me. Okay, guys. One or two. I don't know, whatever. Um, but so we, we actually improved that since those. And part of that, I think, is a little bit of the recruiting. But I also think that we've sort of improved that. And so when you take away with a run, run pass option, right? So if you take away the run, okay, so now you have a pass option. And if, you know, this is a real layman's term to explain it, but I think it makes a lot of sense. Okay, you have a run pass option. If you've taken away the run option, now we have another guy to commit to the pass. Because the way that the, back to what you're saying originally, the reason that the spreads were so great against what we would say is a traditional four down defense. Um, by the way, UGA runs a three down and a four down defense, um, four man down defense. And so don't com get confused if you see four men like, on, that's not a four down defense. That just means three linemen and we have a linebacker that is on the, you know, it will be yeah. like, I understand why that's confusing to people, but we run both. And, but when it's, and, but especially what Kirby is saying is like, he didn't want to get into a four down defense all the time because what happens, like we were saying earlier of the spread, um, there's a bubble of the B gap. So what I'm saying is the reason that they were so dangerous with that is they're going to spread us out, right? Spread. And then you have the absolute can absolutely gut you um, when in the B gap with, with, and so, cause all you had basically back there when you ran a traditional, how it was before and how Kirby ran it for was you had the overhang player, which was the linebacker who was hanging back. And so that would, you know, you could at least get like, you know, five or six yards every play on that. Um, but the way that this handles it is that you've now taken that out and can commit um, another man. I don't know if that's exactly what you want to say with rat coverage, but that's what I was just saying with the RPA. That. Yeah. So, I mean, with that rat coverage, uh, I think that if you'll flash that little diagram back up there one more time, Josh, um, it it's accounting for the RPO. Like, you know, I mean, that, that front as in general, we've kind of established, right? Like does a really good job of stopping these modern shotgun kind of run attacks. Um, Cause it sets edges. It gets people into those B bubbles. 
so on and so forth. Um, but the other spot that that Alabama was getting killed uh, back in 2014 and that a lot of these modern spread offenses will, will wreck a defense is crossing routes. So, you know, talking about meshes and slants and these little, these little rub pick routes coming across the middle. And it's tough to cover crossing routes in man coverage, right? Like that's, that's where you're, you're yeah. in a big disadvantage if you're in man. So by dropping this linebacker here, it's kind of, they call him the low hole player. Um, so on this play, it's, it's this guy that's set up on the edge and he's just going to drop back. And if it's a pass play, he's going to be sitting there waiting to, to pick up on coverage for a guy. He's going to read the quarterback's eyes. You know, he's going to move around kind of depending on what he sees, but uh, it, it, gets rid of that that hole there in the middle of the defense. And the other beauty of it is that if it's not a pass play, uh, he can take off and, and go wherever he wants. He can blitz. He can he can defend the run. So there's the, – the thing that, you know, they talk a lot about in this and is when you're rushing the quarterback, right, like if you can get a matchup of one of your linemen on the opponent's running back and the running back is the blocker, then – you're in really good shape or the linebacker is, is, you know, rushing the quarterback and has the running back blocking him. That's a win. Like you'll take that every time. And so historically in football, especially in three, four defenses, you're having to commit five, six guys to the rush to try and get somebody freed up. And all of a sudden, you know, they're, they're on that running back and they have the chance to beat that guy and get in there for a sack or a quarterback pressure. Georgia's basically found a way to do that with while only rushing four guys and they're not having to blitz five, six guys and, and leave the back end of the defense in a bad spot where if the blitz doesn't get home, all of a sudden, you know, it could be a touchdown. It could be a big play because there's, there's no safety help. There's, there's no linebackers that are there to, you know, pick up and, and help out with, with different zone coverages. So it's a really smart way of creating a matchup advantage and getting the matchup that you want without having to give away something that you don't want to give away. I think that's probably kind of the, the best way to so, summarize Mint as a whole. So um, are we personnel-wise, let's let, uh, wrapping this up because we're Clemson's rapidly approaching. What do you, is this, is this, a, this is the defense that needs – it's set up to stop a Clemson and stop, you know, a Florida. Yeah. So, I mean – uh, you know, are you confident that we're ready? And uh, and you and, and what what are, what are you expecting? What players are going to jump up and fill some of these these holes that have graduated and left the program? Um, I want to hear from Sarah. Yeah, I think uh, going from us explaining how much we like this defense to then asking a Georgia fan to like be like <laughs> me and Grant. Oh, be, be critical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Critical. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, um, no, I listen, I'm a fan first. Okay. No, I think, I think the, actually I would say the beauty of not to, to punt on your answer, but I do think the beauty of both the way that Kirby coaches and the system, I just want to say quickly when we were talking about with COVID and like, you know, how much do these players need to prep and all that stuff actually in this system and the way that Kirby teaches, um, his defense, you actually like, for example, we learn. UGA will learn half the amount of plays that Alabama has to learn in the first day of, 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 of spring practice. Okay. So the way that he does it is, and I think, and everyone talks about like 
you know, what Kirby can do with what kind of players. And that's because he has this type of defense. He teaches the fundamentals. He puts them in. This is a situation in which they can be successful. They don't, they don't get messed up. They don't miss a spot. They don't, we don't have problems lining up like we used to. And part of that is, I think, you know, when you have young guys that are 18, 19 years old coming out here and he has a way for them to be successful, you don't have to be a Rokon Smith. And I think we've seen that to be successful in this defense. So I think, to answer your question, not specifically to players, but I feel very confident about that, that I, I, under Kirby's defense, more than defenses we've seen in the past, I don't worry as much about this guy graduated, that guy graduated. Now, Jordan Davis being back is, I mean, it's a game changer, obviously. That's a that's a game changer. But, you know, nobody wants to lose good players. But I do think not only do we recruit at a high level, but this system makes it so you don't need the guy that's like the number one, you know, overall pick, even though love to have him. Was that the uh, football gods thundering on your talking about Nick Saban? Like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I thought I heard some storm rolling. Oh, that was your that was <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, my opinion, Josh, uh, the Georgia's defensive line will be as good as any defensive line Georgia's ever had at any point in the history of the Georgia football program. Um, and I don't feel like that's a hyperbole or an exaggeration. They're that good. Uh, I mean, rewatching that Cincinnati. Uh, game in preparation for for this uh, show, like actually made me feel a lot better about what we're replacing. Um, mm-hmm. Both Nolan Smith and Adam Anderson were in the right places at the right time throughout that game, uh, and they, you know I think pressures are the best indicator of future sacks, right? And you saw a lot of pressures from those guys, but you also saw them do the right things against the run and dropping into coverage and, and be in the right places. Um, I think that, you know, you'll see Smith and Anderson kind of occupy those outside linebacker roles, but I also think you'll see uh, Smeal Mondin play in that Jack spot a lot, which Jack is, you know, that Aziz position on the end of the line. Um, and I think you'll see Adam Anderson there on third down basically all the time because he's going to be the pass rush specialist. Uh, and I think he'll – I think he's better at defending the run than people think, but – uh, I do think, you know, all these guys, you know, how Kirby is, he's going to rotate guys all day. Um, but yeah, up the middle, you've got the uh, Dean and Quay Walker, who I think are both really smart athletic football players. Quay Walker's a freak show of an athlete. Yeah. He's kind of the, the forgotten guy in the front seven, I think. Yeah. And, and he did really well when Monty Rice went out last year and I think he'll do well this season. Um, so yeah, the, the big question I'm oh, I was just going to say, if you have a defense and a defensive line in which you're like, you forget about Quay Walker, you're going to be doing very well. well people forget about Devontae Wyatt as well. And he yeah. loves the team and, and yeah. hurries and tackles for loss. I mean, like he was a monster on the inside. I mean, like Jalen Carter is not going to start as one of the three down linemen. Think about that for a second. And it's not because he's not really good. It's just because yeah. – there's going to be three other dudes out there uh, that are that are really, really good in their own right. So Georgia will have waves of guys to rush the passer. They will have good linebackers. Uh, the real question is just like, you know, Tyke coming in at star is going to be awesome. We know our boy Chris Smith has got the back end lockdown with Lewisine. So really it's just a question of who's that, that last defensive back. I don't know who it will be, but I think the Georgia – 
has enough good athletes on the team that someone will fill that role perfectly fine. So, yeah, I feel good. I think, you know, it, it'll be a challenge playing uh, Clemson because Uyunglele is a very good rushing quarterback and he has a very good arm and he does everything very, very well. But Georgia has done really well historically when playing quarterbacks that like to lead the pocket. Um, I was about to say that. Everyone so. thought there was no way that we were going to be able to keep contained with Baker and his legs and the second half were absolutely not a part of the game. So I think, yeah, he, yeah. I think. He and that's another. Him. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I'm just saying, I think that's a good, like if people want to go back and like understand what we're talking about, that's what we mean. The way that this sets up, it actually really does contain, you don't, you're not betting on what they're going to do. You're prepared for everything that they're going to do. You're not having to bet. You don't, you're not putting all your trips forward like a Todd and Grantham or third and Grantham. Todd and, I like a Todd and Grantham better. I'm going with that. Um, and so like I, a shitty cocktail. Well, there you go. <laughs> so. All right. No, yeah, I, I think though that uh, the last thing I'll add to this is just, you know, another reason why Smart switched to this front was because they did a study and realized that uh, quarterbacks who were running for first downs against them, the you know, I think like something astronomical, like 87% of the time, those first downs were coming by them taking lanes up the middle. And so uh, if, if they flush DJ and he comes around the edge and – it's him versus Tyke or Adam Anderson or, or one of those linebackers to the corner. Like if he wins that matchup, he wins that matchup. You know what I mean? But like, you'll, He's not gonna you'll get take three yards. Yeah. yeah. You'll take your, your, your defense in that situation. Most of the time, because you're talking about all those guys that are running, you know, four or five or better, they're probably going to be able to get to the sideline and, you know, keep him from coming off the edge and breaking a, a long run for a touchdown or something. And, so it's going to be a fascinating game, really. But uh, I think the biggest question really is, will Clemson's defense be able to steal Georgia's signals? Because if they don't, they'll be standing around <laughs> waiting for a call like they were against Ohio State. Shots and, fired. Know. I like it. All right. Yeah. So we're wrapping this up. You guys are awesome. We, we just went 40 minutes on frigging defense. And I think I know that Graham has always wanted to, to, to talk about more defense on the show. So, Sarah, thank you. You've actually brought – yeah, thank you, Sarah. Great insight. And Sarah's probably going to be doing some more stuff for dog sports this year. Can we say that? All right. Yes. So she's going to be doing this. So she's funny, snarky, and uh, knows her, you know, what about football. So thank you for joining us. Um, please subscribe to us on YouTube and on um, Apple Podcasts. Leave reviews for us. If you want to go back and watch some of our other shows, we actually broke down the front seven going into the G-Day game and talked about a lot of these players, and you can see some of their plays and snaps. He's Graham Coffey and writes for dogsports.com, and he's at Dog Out West. Sarah is soon to be writing for dogsports.com, and she's at Sarah G1561. I am Josh at uh, I'm at dog, stat, dog underscore stats on the Twitter. Um, Graham, take us out. Uh, yeah, I mean, you, you said it all, but, uh, thank you guys for joining us. Please like, and subscribe, uh, the dog sports live channel on YouTube. Please follow us at dog sports underscore live on Twitter. Please, uh, find us on Apple and Spotify podcasts, follow, subscribe. Yeah. Follow Graham. Give us a five-star writing. We will, we'll do something. We'll send you a sticker. We'll send you a, yeah, we'll send you an FTMF sticker if you give us a five-star rating. If I get 600 followers by 
tomorrow, I will get Josh to send you guys a stamp. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. That doesn't, that's not how that works. Um, <laughs> uh, you guys are awesome. Um, and, you know, stick with us, man. We're, 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 in the pre, we're in the season mode, and we're going to have more stuff coming up. We're going to break down the SEC, and we're probably going to have some more announcements and stuff. So thank you guys for watching, and uh, go dogs. Go dogs.